You are listening to Hope Fellowship Church in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. If you would like to learn more about our ministry or feel led to donate, please visit hopejaffrey.org. Turn with me to Philippians 3, where we're going to be looking at this idea of knowing Christ. Philippians 3, verse 2, we'll begin reading in a moment. And as you're turning there, I just want us to think through a couple of things before I get into it. I know today's a day of resolutions. I resolve to do something different over this next year. And as we consider for the next couple of Sundays the importance of church. What is a church? Why go to church? What is a local church all about? Why become a member? Why get involved? Why care about the church as a whole at all? What makes this church different or separate or special? And I'll say it several times this week, but I I, I feel sometimes like I'm preaching to the choir to you guys. You're here on a New Year's Day. You've shown up on a day to come together, to invest these couple of hours together. And, but why? Well, the church, so many different things in the scriptures. Is, is it a community? There's a family element. It's a, it's a living stones as we're built into this household of faith, connected and drawn together by the Spirit. There's something here that's transcendent beyond just our normal, ordinary life. There's a spiritual reality here that's drawing us, uh, informing and transforming our hearts and minds to be drawn together to worship God. There's a connection to the divine, you could say, in some ways. There's a, not necessarily this Athenian way of connection to an unknown God, this idol of an unknown God, but rather a God that can be known (laughs) and wants you to know him. That's a consideration that we think through as we're talking a lot today about knowing Christ is that this God wants to be known and he wants you to know him. That's extraordinary. We're a community of people drawn together seeking to know Christ, a transcendent community of faith through grace because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. We're a community based not as... Jay Kim says in his book, Analog Church, not that we are based on preference. We're not a community specifically gathered around preferences. but Rather, we're a community of faith gathered around presence. The presence of God is in this place. Maybe that sounds mystical or mysterious to you in some ways. And in many ways, I believe the church is that. Very mysterious very spiritual, very powerful. There is a a presence of God among his people when they gather together. There is something different (laughs) about this. I I can't always describe it. Can't always put my finger on it as to what it is. The Holy Spirit among us, infused within us, gathering his people as members of his body to come together to be formed and shaped, to be strengthened, to be equipped, To become a city on a hill, sharing the the light of Jesus that cannot be hidden to a world that needs this message desperately. We gather, and yet we gather in a special way, a way, a a transcendent way, a way that, that points us above, a way that 
seeks to push out the darkness, to spread the light of the gospel, for we, we wage war, we fight not against flesh and blood, right? Against principality. There's something, there's something darker and greater that often is in the unseen that we don't recognize every time you come into these doors or whether this church gathers here or another place, doesn't matter, but wherever the church gathers it, whenever that body is shaped and formed and gathers together in a visible and public way, there is something transcendent and special and powerful that happens. And it's more than just going to church. I don't know. I guess that's, in some ways, that's what I'm going to try to do today, right? We're going to hope, the hope of Jesus, knowing Christ. But if I can infuse one thing into you today in this New Year's Day is that there's something more going on here. And it's a fitting way that we're going to come before the table to close the service today in communion. That there is something powerful among his people when they gather together. Something more, Right? than just, it's got to go to church, right? And so I found some stats that hit, and I promise we're getting to this, okay? You're like, oh boy, it's New Year's Day. He hasn't even read the passage yet, okay? I understand, okay? Hey, you showed up to church on New Year's Day. It's your fault, right? No, I'm joking. All right, I'm getting to that. Two seconds. But, but, but the, there was some stats that I found this uh, last, uh, yesterday, or Friday it was, and I was looking at some things online, and they, they kind of popped up in this idea of Lifeway uh, Church Research and Pew Research has done some information and studies among pastors and churches in America over the last couple of years, especially the pivotal year of 2020, which reshaped and reformed a, wa- a lot of things in the American church for the better and for the worse, and you be the judge, but... A Lifeway study conducted earlier this year on 2022 found that 34% of Christians said they went to church at least four times a month. Just 34%, four times a month. That was before the pandemic. (laughs) So now it's only 26% in April of 2022. As of August 2022, most American Protestant churches, so that's kind of like the evangelical Protestant church in America, says 68% have congregations numbering less than 100 people. 68% of churches in America have less than 100 people. A third of those churches have fewer than 50 people. Slightly less than a quarter of churches have congregations numbering between 100 and 249 attending on a Sunday. While just, get this, just 8% host 250 people more per week. So, So that would mean if I'm doing the math correctly, and you know I'm not good at math, 92% of churches record less than 250 people attending per week. 92% of churches in America. This cultural Christianity, where it's just like this casual believism, this casual faith, is not a thing anymore, right? In America, in the West, just being a cultural Christian, just casually you know, going about your faith just is a dying thing, right? Whether for that was for the good or for the worse, who knows? But I'm saying to be a Christian, and especially in New Hampshire, we're one of the least church states in all of America. It usually flip-flops between us and the frozen chosen up here, Vermont, Maine, and New Hampshire. We're usually battling for the least church state in all of the, all of the country, right? So to come to church for you on a New Year's Day, to come and to speak, specify in your life that you are going to be different. (laughs) It's very different to do what you're doing today. I don't know if you realize that. 
Some of you maybe just assume, like, well, this is just, again, just we go to church. Well, for the, for the broad swath of people in the world, this is something special. And yes, I am partial to this church in that I serve here as your minister, as your pastor, and as an elder here at this church, as the elders and deacons do, and I, I do, I am, I, I do partial, I, I favor you guys, right? I like you guys, I love you guys, right? And, and, I, and I love this church, and I'm very proud of you guys, I guess if that's a way to start off this year, saying I'm, I'm very proud of you all. Um, I, it's not easy to say that sometimes. It hasn't always been easy. It hasn't always been easy for me personally to say that. My own life, my own failures, and yet for, for myself to say, you know, I, I love the church and I love this church. Right? We go through ups and downs and hards and difficulties and, tr- and yet many of what we've gone through in the last several years I've been here for seven and a half, going on eight years. As we, as we come here, we, what's, these things have formed us together and shaped us and made us who we are and made Hope Fellowship Church be what Hope Fellowship Church is. The, the Spirit of God has formed us in this way and shaped us. And one of these areas is this, this message of that there is hope among us. There is hope for the future and the hope is found in the living hope of Jesus Christ. And that is one of the main things I want you to know today and I want the world to know. I want others to know about this. And so that's the beauty of it. Because I know, right before I read this, that 2020 was difficult, 2021 maybe for others, 2022. And then we look ahead into 2023 and maybe you are like some of the people here that I've talked to this week that are excited about this next year. You're like this, I, I'm excited about what God is doing in the future. And then there's some of you who come into today and it feels like you're dragging your feet. You, know? you feel like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. 2022 was hard enough. You, you, some of you have gone through, and I know, I've walked with some of you through some of the hardest things that you've ever faced. Some of the most difficult things I've ever faced as a pastor. I've walked with some of you through that over the last couple of years. And to consider that today, yes, is a, it's an exciting day of a future in front of us. There is hope, but for some, they come in hesitant, maybe. You feel hesitant. Not sure if you can trust God to take care of you in your future. Can we come to a place today where we're excited, where we're, we're eagerly anticipating what God has for us, and we're trusting him every step of the way, and we're believing him for, for great things, for power, for 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 change, and yet also for <laughs> endurance, strength, compassion, mercy. And that's what he presents for you today. And so we come to Philippians 3, verse 2. Some of you are like, finally. Here we go. Philippians 3, verse 2. It says, watch out for dogs. Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God. Boast in Christ Jesus and do not put confidence in the flesh. See that? I don't put confidence in the flesh. He says in verse 4, although I have reasons <laughs> for confidence in the flesh. This is Paul speaking. He's about to go list his resume for you. Believe me, it's better than your resume. It's better than mine. He's got the top level resume. But he's not boasting in that, though he says he could. He says, if anyone else thinks he's got grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law of Pharisee, regarding zeal, 
persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless, and everything that was a supposed gain to me, he says, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. Verse eight, more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of surpassing, uh, sorry, of the surpassing value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. That's gonna be a key phrase for today. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them dung. Some of your translations might say rubbish or trash, okay? So that what? Well, I may gain Christ. Verse nine, and be found in him. Now having a righteousness of my own from the law, Okay, not my resume or what I've done or my righteousness to keep the law. No, no, no. It's not about what I've done. We've just talked about that through the gifts of grace, right? The last couple of weeks in Christmas. But one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. And then verse 10 is our key text for this morning. It says, my goal is to know him. Some of your translations, again, might say, that I may know him. That's the idea. My goal. What's his goal? My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for today. We ask God that you would teach us from these, from these words, open our minds and our hearts to understand so that we may be transformed. Father, we ask that you'd be glorified in all things today. In Jesus' name, amen. The late and great theologian J.I. Packer wrote a book, it's one of my favorites, called Knowing God. And he says this in that book, what were we made for? What were you made for? Well, there's many answers to that, but in this text it says, what were we made for? To know God. What aim should we set ourselves in life? To know God. What is the eternal life that Jesus gives? The knowledge of God. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ, John 17, three. What is the best thing in life? What's the best thing in life? Bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else. The knowledge of God. This is what the Lord says, Jeremiah nine. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom or should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth, but the one who boasts should boast in this that he understands and knows me. What of all the states that God has ever seized man in gives him the most pleasure? It is in the knowledge of himself. Hosea 6, for I desire faithful love, not sacrifice. I desire the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. So today we're considering this concept, knowing Christ and what is, in a sense, on this New Year's Day. What is our resolution? What is our top goal? That's our chief goal. That's your New Year's resolution. It's a very cliche thing for a pastor, right? New Year's Day, what's your New Year's resolution? But it fits, okay? So we're gonna wear the shoe today, right? New Year's, New Year's resolutions are flying around, right? Some of you shared with them with me this week. It's pretty cool. I love hearing, all right, I'm, I'm resolving to do this. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think it's a great thing. And yet some of you are maybe coming in today thinking as we talked earlier, you, you have some guilt, some regret, about those resolutions that you set last January, right? Those ones you didn't meet, you, they, they feel as if you're like, oh, that's right, I meant to whatever. And this year, you're coming in saying, I don't wanna do that again, right? 
And so possibly you're excited about the thought of this fresh slate, clean slate moving forward. But today I want you to consider your priorities in some ways. Like what, what are your values? As we're talking about the theme here is the church and knowing Christ. And what are your values? What, what is it that you value above all other things? As Paul says, my surpassing value, the surpassing value. Paul had a resolution for his life. The CSB's translation of this, Philippians 3.10, was the one we're looking at today. It says, my goal is to know him. I love that. I just found it jump off the page for me this week. What was Paul's resolution for his life? What was Paul's desire and his aim? He kind of introduces it here in this chapter, and then he goes on to even describe how he's chasing that. He's running after it. He's reaching for it. He's running the race. He pursues the goal, the prize, the promise of God's heavenly. All of those things he goes on in the next chapter. But in chapter 3, verse 10, my goal is to know him. <laughs> Supreme importance to Paul. This was chief. There's nothing else that would get in that way. Look at verse 7 and 8. He considered everything that was his supposed gain, right? Gains and losses. We often talk about life in that way. He considered everything that was supposedly to be gain, it's all a loss or it's all rubbish in compared to the view, verse 8, of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, not just of him, the idea of knowing about Christ, but that Christ Jesus, my Lord, right, and Savior, Jesus Christ, Jesus, my Lord. So it's not just knowing about him. Many people know about Jesus, but they have never made him his, their, their Lord. And so this idea of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, knowing Christ, nothing got in the way of that. As Paul sought to uphold and to strengthen the church wherever he was and to seek as a goal for his life to know Christ and to deepen that relationship that would then spill out into everything that he did. Nothing got in the way of that. Can I, can I as a, can I get a little preachy at you today, right? Is it, is it okay that you come to church and occasionally the pastor steps on your toes? Is that okay? All right. So, because I, I, when I do that, I'm doing it for myself. I'm stepping on my own toes. It's a unique thing us pastors have the ability to do. But can I get a little preachy in some ways in that sense? When, when we think of Paul laying out this view of surpassing chief aim and goal, but what gets in the way of you knowing Christ? What, what gets in the way of that? <laughs> what, what, what in your life gets in the way of you simply picking up your Bible and reading it? <laughs> you get, I, I know you have excuses coming into your mind. And some of them at times, and at times in our lives, our lives are busier than others. There are valid excuses. There are things that come into our lives. And, and yet if we're honest, most of the time those things are excuses. <laughs> what gets in the way of you reading about what gets in the way of you simply attending church there are many things and as I said there are many valid excuses there is church hurt there's abuses that maybe you've undergone and maybe crowds and things are challenging for you I'm not dismissing those things please don't feel as if I'm I'm acting as if well everyone's in the same boat and same situation I recognize there are challenges and things you deal with personally that other people might not even be aware of but if we're honest with ourselves most of the time, what gets in the way of us attending church? And if we're honest, sometimes it, pretty much anything. 
Now, again, I'm preaching to the choir. Some of you stayed up way late, way late past your bedtime. The kids are all crazy this morning, and yet you still chose to come to church. That's impressive, right? In some ways, that, as we've said earlier, is strange. It's different. It's uh, unique. (laughs) That's not a normal thing to do. What gets in the way of you simply attending? What gets in the way of you volunteering and helping others? What gets in the way of you loving your spouse the way God calls you to love them? What gets in the way of you simply loving your neighbor or reaching out or sharing the gospel? What gets in the way of you honoring and respecting your boss, being kind to those you work with? What gets in the way of you praying? You got a lot of excuses for that. I'm busy. There's things going on. How long does it take to pray? (laughs) How long does it take to, as you're driving that long distance to work, how long does it get to just simply turn off the radio and sports radio and, to, <laughs> and just pray to God as you drive. How, how, how difficult is that? We Americans are about comfort and ease and relaxation and all of the things that we have, the blessings of God that he's given us. And you know, we can't scrape together five, ten minutes a day to pray to God. Oh, we'll pray to him when we need something. Right? I pray to God really good when I need something from him, right? I'm really good at praying then. But how about just praying when you should be talking to him? As you're saying, spending time. When, what, what's our excuse there? What, why have we not? And I guess I'm trying to get a little in your face here and know that I'm, I'm feeling guilty as well. As a pastor, how much time do I, as my job, how much time am I spending in prayer? How much time am I truly reading God's word to be transformed by it rather than reading it to do a job, right? It's easy to get and fall into the motions and not think about what we're doing. How, 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 what gets in the way of us coming together? And what gets in the way of us coming together and actually worshiping God rather than constantly thinking, when's this guy going to be over and is my lunch going to be ready, right? And all this stuff, right? What gets in the way of these things? So much of life pushes against us. Do other people around us notice that our lives are different than theirs? Do other people notice that we know someone they don't know? Do other people know that you know someone that they don't know, meaning Jesus? Do, you, do people know that you know Jesus? Would they see it in your life? Would they see something as different? No, not that you're just weird or something, but the idea is that, that there is something that that person has that, uh, that I don't have. Do people see this church as a place that isn't just a charity or a nonprofit that does nice things in the community, but as a place where there's a, there's a transcendent spiritual reality among that people, that there's something special about those people, something different. I want to hear more about that. It's the Holy Spirit dwelling within this organism that there is life here, that there is life and breath and as we think about how is it that we know Christ, well, we see this in this passage that we're, this value, this aim, this goal is to know him. And yet, what is the way that God has established for us to know him? Well, he came. The word became flesh. We talked about that, John 1, right? Dwelt among us. And when he ascended into heaven, it's like he almost, he almost planned that, didn't he? It's like he had a plan for where we are now. He didn't leave us alone. He said he'd leave us with the comforter. The Holy Spirit is with us. But what vehicle did God leave here to transport his gospel around the globe? 
and to offer him worship and glory on a daily basis. What vehicle did God rescue? Did he redeem and establish? Did God fuel with his spirit? Did God equip with instructors? Did God empower to spread his life-transforming and saving gospel message to the ends of the earth and to the needy and to the hungry people across the world? What vehicle did he build to do this very thing when he ascended? What vehicle is that? He built the church. He left the church And who is the church? Well, you are the church, right? The people of God called out from darkness into his marvelous light. The called out ones, the ecclesia, the assembly of God. And who builds that church? Well, the pastors do it, right? No, 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 no. We don't. Rather, Matthew 16, 18, right? And I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. Jesus says, I will build my ecclesia, my church, my assembly, my gathering, my people. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Nothing will stop it. So you can get on board and join this massive universal organization all over the globe, tribes, tongues, languages, and nations. And you can join this way and this movement, this way of following Jesus with our lives. And we know that we are being built by him. If we are rooted and grounded in him, he will build us up as living stones into his household and to be the temple of God. It's extraordinary. And again, but as we drive home this point, as we think this through, do we, do we value in the same light, do we attribute the same worth to the church that Paul did and to knowing Christ as a surpassing value? Is the church the vehicle to distribute his saving grace across the globe, you and me, to be a representation of himself to a world that needs to know about Jesus? How else will they hear? Or is the church just another lifestyle choice, right? A brand we wear, a charity, a nonprofit, a 501c3, or, or is there something else? Is there a surpassing value here that is celebrated among us? The value of knowing Christ as chief among us. The living God is the pillar and the buttress of truth, the supporting arch system to support the very truth that exists in the world exists here because of you and I, the church, the spirit infused within us. God has developed this organism, this organization to exist so that others and the world may know Christ, so that they may know the way, the truth, and the light. It's through the church. So when you step into these doors, you don't just step into just a building. You step into a place where the saints of God gather, (laughs) where they come together in this location. And it's significant that there is a physical space and time where this local assembly gathers and meets. Different times, different places, different spaces, different buildings, different, all of that comes and goes with time. But the people of God gather, and we always, for eternity until he returns, right? We will sing, we will pray, and we will preach the good news of Jesus. In that way, it looks different depending on your denomination or your country or your language that you speak in, but those things will be the same. And we gather, something transcendent happens, something spiritual happens, something extraordinary happens, and it's an amazing thing. Let us not undervalue the church today. I love this, it says in Colossians 2, it's kind of part of one of this verses, Philippians 3 passages, Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, 
gives us a little bit of a summary too of, well, of what this looks like in a church, in an organism. It says, so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus, we talked about that at Christmas, receiving the gift of grace. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to walk in him. Continue. Like keep on keeping on, people. Walk in him, 2023, keep it on. But then what? Being rooted and built up. This foundation, like a tree has roots that go deep to strengthen it in the middle of the storm. Be rooted, built up in him, and be established in your faith. The faith of Jesus, just as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving and gratitude. That we are thankful for that. Praise the Lord for that. We have received him, we walk in him, and as we walk in him, the Lord is equipped in the church teachers and one another, apostles, prophets, pastors, all of that, as it says, to equip us so that we'd be rooted and built up, so that we wouldn't be like the wind that comes along and tosses us to and fro, like the ocean when the waves hit us. Being the church is about being one who has found faith in Christ, who has received the grace of God. It's not about being better than other people, that's why you're here, Right? It's not about uh, the fact that, that you come here to church because you are better than those people outside. No, in fact, it's the exact opposite. We gather here today because we all have recognized we're sinners in need of God's grace and only by his saving grace, his loving kindness and mercy are we made into saints, able to sing his praises and able to be his light until he returns. Wow, it's in what Paul says in Philippians 3, in that passage. Remember when he said he listed that resume for you? I'm a Pharisee, I'm this, I'm that, I was born on this day, a Hebrew of this tribe, I got everything going for me. I could boast in your face about that, but that I consider nothing. It's loss when I compare it to verse nine, for I don't have a righteousness of my own from the law, I, but rather I'm comparing it to the faith that I have in Christ, and it's all because of that, that it's the, the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Nothing compares to that. So ultimately, we gather here because we know. We know the someone that the world needs to know, right? We know him. We know someone who has saved us, and his name is Jesus. There's no other name sweeter than any other name, right? There's no, that is the name above all names, and we gather here, and that's why we talk about Jesus every single Sunday you come here. You will hear about Jesus. We will sing about Jesus. We will talk about the hope of Jesus that is here among his people. We'll talk about it from till we die, okay, till the Lord returns, church meets together as a church for many different reasons. Church is meeting together to know Christ, but ultimately one thing I like to think about it is too, we meet together here today on New Year's Day because we can. You thought about that? It's like, we, we can. We get to meet here. It's not like, ah, should we have a service? Like, should we do this? We get to do this. A few years ago, people were calling what I do and what this is non-essential, we said. We went to the governor and we went to the state and we talked about how churches should be essential. There are more things going on in the world than simply just bringing a paycheck home and doing that, right? There are things that are, that are underneath of that, underpinnings, holding up the very mental capacity and space of people living and there is something powerful here that is essential, the church of God. The church isn't a building, I understand that. We are the church, but do not use that concept of we are the church as an excuse to avoid the church, right? That, that we are the church, so I don't need a building, I don't need a people, I don't need an organization, I'll do church on my own by myself. 
That, my friend, is not thing that is a conducive understanding to the New Testament. You are saved as an individual and you are immediately incorporated into the body, the group, the people in Acts were often gathering in spaces and places wherever they could to come together to worship and praise God. It is an aspect of, of gathering and coming and being drawn to him. We are not an island to be on our own. We cannot exist in that way. We cannot grow on our own. We need one another. There are many things that are wonderful about churches. There are many things that are challenging and difficult and not easy about church. And I recognize that some of you have gone through those times. And I'm just imploring you. I'm asking you. I'm encouraging you to come together, give grace and mercy to others as this has been extended to you among us. Because we are a interesting group of people, are we not, right? There are some of us who would be naturally gravitated towards each other because we like the same things. There are some who have no preferences or likes or dislikes except for the fact the Holy Spirit unites us together as a church. And that is enough, as Brian was saying, an elder here at the church was saying earlier, that the unity that we ought to be about is that spirit of God that brings us together, not just, hey, we like the New England Patriots, or we, we, we do this for a job or work, or, or our last names, or whatever it is, but rather that the spirit of God is something that transcends all those things. An isolated Christian on their own by themselves is a myth. And so I know there's in some ways we don't get to always choose our family as to who brings... But, but rather God chooses it, brings us together. And then our family expands when you come together in a local church. For at this moment, right now, there are churches all over the world doing what we're doing. Different languages, different styles. But isn't that not extraordinary? That right now you're part of something much bigger than the 400 or so people here today in Jaffa, New Hampshire. <laughs> Look up, way bigger. It just blows your mind to think on a Sunday, on New Year's Day, Across the globe, people will be praising Jesus. They'll be singing to him. So we meet together because we can. We meet together because we have something to share with other people. We have a truth. We have a scripture. We have words. We have the truth of God, the word here for others to know about. We want people to read it and know him. And the best way to know him is coming together in a church and coming and sitting and submitting yourself under the teaching of God's word as it is taught to you by elders and teachers, but also as God and the Holy Spirit teaches you as you open it and read it and allow it to transform you. The church meets together because we have got something to share. The church meets together because we want to know someone more ourselves. I don't come, it's hard for me sometimes when I come up here is because it's like I'm supposed to be the expert, right? It's like, and that's not the truth, right? I come to you just the same as you. I need to be shepherded by the great shepherd. And I need this just as much as you do. And I don't always understand why God has made it or designed the church to function in this way. But, but I have the opportunity, yes, to minister to you through God's word. But I need this just as much as you, just as much as anyone else. And so we come together because we, we know someone and we want to know someone more. I want to know him more and I hope you do as well. And we just share that together every time we gather. We know someone, we want to know Christ, we want to grow in him, we want to serve others in that as well. And the church meets together because we know someone we'd like others to meet. We want to tell other people about Jesus, so we want to know him more so that we can tell other people about that Jesus. And the church meets together ultimately because we have something to share and we have something to say. 
There's something to be said into a world that is, as you look at it, as you watch it, you almost weep and cry because you, you see the pain that people are in. You see the addictions that people are living in. You see the dark places in their lives and the, and the confusion that is out there in the culture. And, and we say to ourselves, not look at them, but rather look, there is, there is a Jesus who has compassion upon them. Who, who wants to help, and there is something here in the church that can say and speak life into a dying culture, is it not? That, that, that what we have here is not just some exercise, not some just religious thing that we do, although there are those aspects of religion and church, but rather there is something that is effective, that actually can do something about what's out there and where you're at and your marriage or what your situation is in, that the Spirit of God through his word and in his church in community can actually give you courage to face tomorrow as you come together and are encouraged by one another here at this church. And so, we go through times and ups and downs in life and we gather together, we mourn with those who mourn, we rejoice with those who rejoice, and yet at the same time we say together that hope is here there is, there is hope in the faith that we find through the grace of Jesus Christ, all in him. And so hope, yes, hope, fellowship, church, but the living hope of Jesus. The living hope that we are all born again into a living hope, as it says in Peter. It's because of Christmas and Easter that we bring to the forefront this message. It is because of Pentecost. It is because Jesus has come and he's coming again. It's this hope because of what he's done in my life and what I've seen him do in yours. There's hope because we don't look at one person as the one who has the righteousness and by keeping the law, but rather we look at Jesus, the person of Jesus, not just me or someone else, but rather we look at Jesus because of his surpassing value and that's the one we want to get to know. And so this New Year's, maybe it's good time for all of us to just consider our values. Yes, New Year's resolutions, awesome. But consider your, you could say, spiritual values that intersect with your physical life. What, what is it that you, you value above all other things? What is getting in your way from knowing Christ? What's stopping you? What's getting in your way? Maybe it, maybe it is like, I just don't know what to do. I don't know how. Well, please, reach out. There are people here that would love to disciple you, mentor you, like, I just need someone to pray with me. There are people here that will pray with you after this service, no matter what. I just need this or that. That's what the church is here for. You're not, you don't have to do it by yourself. Isn't that what this is about, right? It's why we gather together, encourage each other, and help each other out. So I, in some ways, I guess I'm, like I said, I'm preaching to the choir in some ways. You guys know this. I talk about this kind of stuff all the time to you guys. But what is your goal this year? Where are your values? Where are your more than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection. And we didn't even get to all of those aspects of the power of his resurrection, transformed his suffering. There's so many more things we could go into we don't have time for today. But that aspect of, of discovering Christ, knowing him, growing in him, that knowledge infusing into us that transforms us to resurrect within us this aspect of new life, a new birth. It's a beautiful thing. And we gather together. And so in some ways, an action step for you 
to consider those priorities, consider those values. What is your goal this year? And then would you consider sharing that with somebody else? Potentially the Lord is laying on your heart, your neighbor, co-worker, your friend, maybe a family member. And this is a way for you to be honest and open with them, to get to know them, to have a relationship with them, and invite them into your world. Potentially that might mean inviting them to church, inviting them to hear, inviting them to come into a, a broken community of people who are seeking Jesus, and to let them know that hope is here. And so as you leave today, there are these little booklets that is an action step for you, that if you would take one of these as a family, and maybe you'll set it on your dinner table and you'll pray about it. All right, who is it that our family, my Moody family, my wife and I, who is it that we need to tell about Jesus today, this month, this year? Maybe inviting them to church is one of those ways, and you can do that through this booklet. Literally give it to them, say, hey, come, come to church with me. I'll pick you up. You can follow me. You can sit with me, whatever it is, and this is a great way for them to learn about what hope is about, what, what, what church is about, what Hope Fellowship Church is about, but maybe that's not even the step. Maybe it's just you need to have them over for dinner, and this will remind you. I need to pray for those people. I need to pray for that person. Lord, maybe there isn't somebody on your mind, but who is that person? Ask the Holy Spirit to tell you who is it that we should be inviting to church? Who is it that we should be inviting into our homes? Who is it that you should be sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with here in 2023? Who is that? I don't know who that is because I'll tell you what, you can reach that person a lot better than I can or maybe somebody else in your life because you have a relationship with that person that I don't have. So potentially that's something the Spirit's going to press on you. Maybe it's just for you. We need to commit as a family to be more involved in the things of God. I need to read my Bible, whatever. I need to, whatever it might be, but rather I need to come into the presence of God with his people. I need to sit there in that place. But I challenge you, take an action on this today. Leave this place in this space and come to him and gather in that way. And one action step that we can take publicly is really neat. As we can recognize we're all coming from different places and spaces in life. Different 2022s. We're coming today, New Year's Day, and we're going to come before this table. We're going to take and we're going to join in communion. Communion. It's a special, amazing, powerful thing that we get to do today. So I'm going to close in prayer. And the elders and deacons are going to come forward. And we're going to talk through those things. So let, let me... Let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We praise you for your church. Your church, your blood-bought church, your redeemed ones, elect, challenged, saved, brought out, called out. Thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you for your grace, God. I pray that you would give us a heart and a hunger for others. I pray that you would give us a desire to know you and to make your name known. Lord, help us with that. We are afraid and fearful people. But God, you haven't given us a spirit of fear to fall back into those things, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Lord, help us to step forward into those things this 2023, that we would desire to spread your gospel message, that transforming message further than we've ever done before in our lives. May your spirit infuse us. Lord, help us not to condemn ourselves for our failures, but rather we would walk in light of what you have done and what you have said, your promises that are true that you will keep this year just like you did last year. Encourage our hearts in this. Lord, thank you for communion as we come before this. 
It's not just another thing we do or we have to do, but Lord, it's something we get to do. We join together in this visible representation of your body and your gospel as it unites us together as one church in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.